Hey guys, this is Bruce of Convo Courses. This is a Convo Courses com, com, Comcast podcast <laughs> where I talk about cybersecurity, specifically uh, something a lot of people, most people just don't talk about in this industry, which is security compliance is my specialty. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. And I, I kind of prepared something that I thought would be really important that I things that I wish that I would have known um, when I first started this, started on this. <clears throat> I'm going to start trying to broadcast on Facebook as well just to see how it goes. I don't normally do that. So we're going to go ahead and try that as well. So if you want to watch me on Facebook, um, I got something set up there. All right, let's let me get started with this. I want to show you guys what's going on. If you didn't know, um, very quickly, if you didn't know, I have a site called Convo Courses where you can learn more about um, cybersecurity compliance and uh, specifically, it's dealing with NIST risk management framework and it's walking you through that and what I do is I talk about my experience as a cybersecurity person who's been doing security compliance for NIST for over 20 years um, and been through all the iterations of this for the federal government but I've also done it for the private sector like currently I'm doing uh, assessments for the private sector in the future I'm gonna be doing courses on assessments and actually I got tons of stuff out there for free that's on TikTok that's on YouTube that's it's all over the place so just go ahead and check it out you can follow me and uh, and get all that free stuff and by the way the site to log in to, to actually sign up for the site is actually free so go ahead and check it out alright let me get into this I want to show you guys something I wish that I would have known when I first started out in in uh, as a, an information system security officer now if you didn't know Information system security officer work, what it is, is it's security compliance. Security compliance is all about an organization's adherence to federal, state, local, and industry standards. Like, for example, banks. Whenever you go to the bank and you run your credit card or uh, you go to retail, you run your credit card, whatever, right? That little device you run your credit card on has to have testing, has to have documentation, has to have this everything, every part of the infrastructure that's attached to that device when you put your card in has to have security compliance. And that's just for our for our safety and security. Right. They have to make sure that they run things like virus uh, protection on it, make sure that virus protection is is updated on the actual servers on the back end of that. That's collecting your data, making sure that your data is safe, like when it goes to it's encrypted from that device onto where it's going to go to a database like that is security compliance. We need it for banking. We need it for PCI retail. We need it for federal government, state government, just like all protection of all information has to go through what you call security compliance. It's very important, but it's something in the background nobody ever talks about. Now, one specific type of security compliance is known as risk management framework, the NIST 853, NIST 837. So that's what I'm talking about. And ISO is an Information System Security Officer. RMF means Risk Management Framework. All right, let's get into this. What do I wish I would have known when I started out on this? I wish somebody would have told me what this was all about. Let me just let me just tell you real quick. It comes down to one phrase, and that's big picture. I wish I would have had a better understanding of the big picture of this whole thing. 
because I thought the risk management framework was all about documentation, meetings, uploading information into some kind of like a EMAS or some kind of a database or something like that. I thought that's all it was, right? Fool, silly me, that in meetings. And so the thing is, that's that's what you do. Don't get me wrong. You that you do all those things, but that's not like those are just tools for what you're supposed to do, right? Those are just tools and things that you use to um, to do to do your job. The really important piece is the big picture. Now, this is one of my favorite uh, images of of explanation of how to see this whole thing. So what you're looking at here is an elephant and each person has a blindfold on. It's called the blind man and the elephant. Each person has a blindfold and they don't know like really what they're seeing, right? So the one person in the back is feeling the tail. So they think that it's a rope. One person is feeling the side of the elephant and they think it's a wall. Oh, this is like a, this is a kind of a soft wall. Now one person's on the head and they feel the, the big ears and they're touching the ears and they think, oh, well, it's a fan. You know, each person is touching one part of this elephant, not knowing that it's an that it's an elephant, right? That's what cybersecurity is like. So when I was starting off in this as a risk management framework uh, information security officer, I was only seeing one part of this whole thing. And my part, I thought, was, okay, well, it's documentation, it's meetings. You know, that's what this is all about. That's what, that's what I'm doing, right? I just saw my little piece. And another thing, was, I was kind of misled. I thought, I thought, oh, well, I'm, I'm enforcing the security on this organization. You know, I'm, I would put all the stress on myself because that's what I saw cybersecurity as. And I was kind of like blindfolders on, right, because I was touching one part of the elephant. But what I've learned is as an information system security officer and cybersecurity in general, actually, if you happen to be in this field, you got to take a step back and see the whole elephant, right, and realize everybody's seeing their piece, right, you're your your CEO or your CIO is on the top of the elephant and the on top of this whole thing and they're seeing well I have a fiduciary responsibility so we got to make sure cybersecurity is there so that we can we don't get hacked like if our reputation would go down the tubes if we got hacked you know that's what they're concerned with and your your uh managers they're seeing one part of cybersecurity and they're thinking well we have to maintain a certain level of we have to make sh make sure that the security is still going. We're focused on operations, and they're focused on uh, do we have the resources? Do we have everything we need to continue the cybersecurity? You, as the cybersecurity person, you know maybe you're you're on the trunk and you're 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 on one piece of it, and you're seeing well, okay, I've got to look at all of the the data that's coming in. I've got to focus on the data. I got to make sure. So you've got as a cybersecurity person, you got to realize that this is. Cybersecurity is everyone's responsibility, not just yours. And you're protecting the entire organization. And it's everybody's responsibility to do that, not just yours. And everybody's seeing a piece of it, but you got to see the big picture, right? The big picture is this. It comes down to one, to these three things right here, security objectives. That's confidentiality, integrity and availability now what does that mean i can explain this really quickly confidentiality means secure secure uh, the secrecy of the information that doesn't necessarily mean just um you know top secret information right that the government's keeping or whatever no it could be something as simple as coca-cola's formula right they don't want the competition they don't want pepsi 
getting uh, knowing how much coca leaves they put in their syrup or whatever, right? Confidentiality, protection of their information from the competition, from adversaries, from whoever. Integrity means protecting the data from point A to point B as it travels from point A to point B or if you store it on a storage drive or whatever. What is the – making sure that nobody has tampered with the information. Like this is very important with banking, for example. Think about it. When you do a transaction transaction at your bank, if the data is going from your phone to the bank, the bank's uh, back-end servers. What if somebody added a zero? You want it to take out uh, $10.00. And then somebody adds a zero to that to that data, right? The integrity is compromised. If somebody added a zero to it, now it's now it's a hundred dollars. Now it's a thousand dollars. How many zeros they add? How many commas they add? Right? Is going to affect the integrity of the data. Availability kind of speaks for itself. That means um, how available is information. Think of a website. Like when when an organization, say the Air Force, the Department of the Air Force, they have a website and they put that website out that they're wanting the public to 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 see. Uh, they're the planes flying, the jets. They, maybe it's a recruiting page, and they want to bring people in. That 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 page has to be available. Now you think of de denial of service attacks. What hackers will do is they'll take the site down so nobody can see it, right? So confidentiality, integrity, and availability. And I can give you like a more specific example here. So when you look at a typical network, this is a very basic basic diagram, right? It's just showing. Um, a firewall here and then you, you've got like a, a local area network here where people do their work and you've got the internet over here right so if you think of uh, confidentiality how what what are we talking about here confidentiality you're talking about if let's say the Krusty Krab is protecting the secret formula so uh, Mr. Krabs wants to send information to the service he wants to save it to the one of his servers um, and it's going, it's got to go make sure that it's not going outside, but maybe he's sending the email, like an, an email to, uh, a partner, like he has crypt crusty crab. He has a partner and they're, they're starting a branch in another part of bikini bottom or something. I don't know. <laughs> so they're sending the information. He's got to encrypt that data. That's confidentiality. He's got to keep that secret formula from, uh, from plank from plankton, right? So that's that's confidentiality. And then if you think of uh, integrity, that's he's sending the information from point A to point B. Let's say Plankton uh, gets gets access to that email and changes it, changes the formula, and then sends the email on its way. He captures the email, changes something in there, and then sends it on its way. And now the integrity of the data is now different. And availability, of course, is if the Krusty Krab had a web server. They have a website out there that's advertising crusty crab and they want other people to see that site or maybe to log in to get a coupon code or something like that that site has to be available for for the employees for the customers for everybody who needs it um, so that's confidentiality integrity and availability this is all part of the big picture that you have to see remember so all of this comes down to protection of the overall infrastructure and the way that we do that as cybersecurity people is protecting the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability. That's what it's all about. The way that you do this is through is going through the security controls. This what you're looking at here are the security control families. The security controls are things like protection of you've got technical controls, 
you've got physical controls, you've got management controls, right? Just to kind of give you an example, like a technical control would be making sure that say you have multi-factor authentication, making sure you have auditing on your servers. That's a technical control. A physical control uh, would be, well, of course, that's like fencing. That's like making sure that the doors are locked. That's making sure that you have alarm systems to protect the information that's on the servers, right? You have management type controls. A management type control would be making sure that only personnel are authorized, making sure that they have proper documentation and they're authorized to have badges when they walk in the facility, things like that. So these controls, there's hundreds of these security controls that, you, that you're going to be familiarized with as an information system security officer. And that's all for the protection of the confidentiality, the integrity, and the availability right here that you see on the screen. So the big picture is what you have to understand. It comes back to these three things. If you understand confidentiality, integrity, and availability, it'll help you to actually interpret these security controls better. Another thing I really wish that I would have understood when I first started out doing cybersecurity and doing uh, information system security officer work is um, no understanding this little diagram here. This diagram here, why, why is this important? There are a lot of controls here. There's a lot of controls here. It's very easy to forget some of these. It's very easy to like uh, kind of overlook some of these controls that you have in your in, in your infrastructure, on your servers, on your systems. And you might have a thousand systems. So you're you're going to do a thousand controls on a thousand systems. No, that's not how it works. That's where this thing comes in. That's where this risk management life cycle comes in. What is this? So. What what this is, is it's taking your organization through all of these processes so that you can actually know you can categorize your system, making sure that the system, uh, what level is the system? Is it, it how important is it? Right. Is it a satellite system that's that's uh, sending classified information out in the field where if that information got leaked, you could literally people people could literally, literally lose their lives. Well, that's a that's a higher security categorization than, say, a web server for the Krusty Krab. Right. So they have to have a different security categorization and they're going to be treated different. And that means they're going to have different security control sets for those systems. You might not have to have the same level of security that you have on you know, on the on that system that's protecting troops that you would on the website for the Krusty Krab, right? So that's kind of in a nutshell what you're talking about with these two uh, steps. So you're categorizing the system, making sure it has a proper uh, categorization, and then you're selecting the actual security controls. Once you know what controls that you have to do for the Krusty Krab web server or for the satellite system protecting troops out in the field, you can implement those controls. Implementation means just what it sounds like, installing the security controls. But it's not always security. It's not always installing, say, a patch or installing a certain operating system. Sometimes it's configuring a system to make sure that it doesn't have the default security on there, right? So whenever think about whenever you bought a, 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 a router or if you ever bought a phone, your phone initially has nothing, right? It's just blank. You've got to set up the password protection. 
you got to set up the biometrics on it. Like if you put your thumb on there or if it's looking at your face, facial features to open the phone or if it has that little code, the pin code on there and all that kind of stuff, you got to set that stuff up. That's where implementation comes in for your organization. And now it's just not just you doing this, by the way. It's the organization that has to do all these steps. Now, and once you've implemented it, you got to make sure that that stuff is on there is it properly all the controls these controls that you've selected are are installed on there properly and that's where as an assessment comes in now one thing i didn't mention is that preparation so preparation is a is a process initiation this is where you're meeting up with people in the beginning like making sure that everybody's on the same team making sure okay we know what the system's called it's a it's a nist 800 83 system for the Department of Defense, and this system is going to be stood up in West Virginia, Kansas, and Texas, right? Plano, Texas, or whatever. And here, here's the system administrators. Here, you need a stakeholders list, and then everybody's on the same page about what's going to happen, right? That's preparation. Now, assessing the controls means all the controls you actually you uh, that you configured on there, that you implemented the software, everything. You're in, you're scanning the system. You're doing things like making sure documentation is up, that you have documentation in place for the system. You're making sure that uh, only people who have access to the system have access to the system. Only people who are authorized, least functionality, uh, least privileges. Only people on, only the people who need to be on there are on there, right? That's part of assessment. You're looking at each one of the controls to make sure that these controls are on there and have been implemented. And then you get to authorization. Authorization is something that everybody really worries about in the information system security officer or work where you're putting a package together to be approved by the organization and be accepted and then uh, signed off by the designated authorizing authority or by the CIO or by the, the CEO Things like that. So somebody has to sign off and say, yep, this is good. Thank you, guys. We Great job on the assessment. The implementation is good. The documentation is good. I like every categorization. And they sign off on it, right? This process sometimes takes anywhere from six. It can, it can even take up to eight months to do. It, it could take a while to do this. Monitoring is the is the last step, but it's a continuous step. This is continuous monitoring. This is where you're monitoring on a regular basis. And let me tell you something. One of the things that I wish that I would have known in the beginning, I thought once I finally learned this process here, I thought that I was going to be a part of this from start to finish. And for the most part, you are as an information system security officer. But what I learned is, is this. Uh, a lot of times, you're... The only time you're involved with the categorization or selection of the security controls, to be honest with you, is when a system is either starting, when it's when it's the first part of the this, this very start of the system, right? You, you Let's say we're talking about that Krusty Krab web server. So in the very beginnings of that, you got to figure out, okay, what, what web services are we, we going to use? Are we going to use uh, Apache? Are we going to use IIS? What are we going to use? What kind of server? Is it going to be a Dell infrastructure? What kind of server? Where are we going to put it? Right, That's in the very beginning stages of the categorization. And security is usually pulled into that. If it's done correctly, you pull security in there, and they're, and you're at, and they're part of the process of actually development of the system. But how many times... How many times have I been involved on a system that's being started up from scratch? Not many. I've been doing this for over 20 years. So 
it does happen. I mean, I, I can't say that it's never happened. Like it's happened. Like every organization I've gone to at least one time, they, they're starting up one, a system or two. Right. But for the most part, it's like major upgrades. Like it'll be a old system that's been there for five years. And now they're going to do a major upgrade because windows has had a major, like you can't no longer use windows 2008 now we have to move to windows 2016 and now we have to okay let's recategorize the, the what security controls do we need here so you're involved with that portion of it and then sometimes i'm involved with the implementation of the controls i've, I've implemented controls myself from time to time um, and then assessment of controls that's something you do like either annually or sometimes the organization will scan on a regular basis like weekly or monthly it just depends on what they what they are going to do right so the thing that you do the most though in this job the thing that you're going to do the most is monitoring controls like 80 percent or more of your job is monitoring the security controls this is most of your job as an information system security officer work and i wish i would have known this what are you monitoring you're monitoring these you're making sure that uh the access controls are still in place like if if you had a policy for access controls that's that's talking about say access management you're making sure that it's updated you're making sure like security awareness this next one here at controls awareness and training you're making sure that maybe annually or every six months people are getting things like phishing um, awareness training or um making sure that people know what's uh, what suspicious emails look like um, are doing security basic security awareness training every year you're making sure that the auditing logs are on you're making sure you're you're being a you're a part of the configuration management team whenever a major change takes place right when you're going from windows 2008 to windows 2016 you're a part of that process let me show you like the tasks that i've mostly been familiar with now i'm just speaking from my own personal experience i know that there's tons of great information system security officers out there who have a totally different experience than me but in my experience as an information system security officer doing security compliance work these are the things i've spent a lot of my time on configuration management that means when there's a whenever there is a system change i'm a part of that process they're going to pull me in as a security guy and say okay okay bruce like could you uh, do you have any input on this configuration change? Is there going to be any problems with us going from this operating system to this other operating system? You know, they might or they just sometimes they'll just have me sit in. And if there's some issue, I'll chime in. They'll say, hey, um, anybody have any questions? Right. Vulnerability management is another big one. This is like this is a big one. So vulnerability management is a whole nother field. But I'm usually pulled into this because it's it's uh, dealing with so much data. So whenever there's a scan, think about network scans, think about endpoint configuration management uh, scans, think about things like that, As assessments, things like that. So whenever they're looking at the, the, inf the system as a whole, they're looking at the whole network, their, your local area network, or maybe looking at your firewall rules or any of that kind of stuff that's vulnerability man well you're looking at you're looking for failed rules you're you're looking for um findings you're looking for weaknesses in the system they'll pull me in as an information system security officer and want my input sometimes they'll have me interpret 
the actual findings. And because so, sometimes it's not a finding. Sometimes it's a false positive. Sometimes it's like we have to figure it out together as a team. Right. So this is a, a thing that I spend a lot of my time on. And then another one is risk responses. This is where risk response means like the organization can't re can't remediate. They can't fix a problem. They found let's say they did a network scan. Right. Let's go back to our example here. Let's go back to our network. So let's say they did a they did a scan. They did their scan on the network and they're looking at all of these uh, local area network systems and they found out that they have five uh, Windows 7 systems on on the network, right? And and these those Windows 7 systems are are end of life. There that means that Microsoft no longer supports these systems. That's a huge issue. It happens all the time. Not in, that's only one. Like you got Oracle, you got Adobe, you've got like any. Just think of any software you have on your current computer. Um, that that is what we're talking about. So so on those systems. On those particular systems, um, we're talking about um, how do we – let me go back to this other screen here. So we're talking about they can't – the organization say they can't go to Windows 10, right? No, they're on 10, we're on Windows 11 now, right? We're on, we're on Windows 25, whatever it is. We're on Windows 25 or whatever, right, this new system. But the organization, they're on Windows 7. They can't upload. They, they're they not ready yet for whatever reason. It could be money. It could be sometimes the organization doesn't have the skill set. They don't have anybody who can actually migrate. They may, maybe they have too much data on the Windows 7. Maybe a lot of times what happens is they'll have a specialized software that is a business essential software that they actually can't use on Windows 25. They can't use on Windows 11 or whatever the new, you know, operating system is they can't use the their their actual code that they use for their business essential functions on that new operating system so they actually can't go so that's where you get things like the risk the uh, risk response where you have to do a something like a plan of action and milestone a POANM and that's where a lot of my time is spent plan of action and milestones risk acknowledge, risk acceptance, whatever you want to call it, um, different documentation to explain, hey, we know that the, the risk is there. We know that what we have to do, we need to fix this together as a team. Um, what are we going to do, right? And so you'll be pulled into meetings like that. A lot of my time has been spent on continuous monitoring. So in a nutshell, this can just kind of recap, looking at the big picture, is what I something I wish that I would have done in the very beginning. And this, if you happen to be a new information system security officer, you have to be new to cybersecurity. I would encourage you to look at the big picture. That means don't just look at your job, what you do day to day, but look at the big picture. How does your organization manage cybersecurity? And cybersecurity is as simple as these three things: confidentiality, integrity, and availability. How is the organization? doing these things across the board on your network with using all these security controls, right? Are they using a, some sort of a framework to walk them through the use of all these controls? Because that's what they need to do so that everybody's on the same page. And a lot of your work as an information system security officer is going to be done in the monitoring the security controls because you've got the controls in place. Now you got to monitor and make sure that your organization 
is on point all the time with their security posture. That means what's the status of their security? And that's based off of implementation and maintaining all these security controls. There are hundreds of these things. Now, another thing that I learned as a cybersecurity person, um, specifically now with security compliance, is how flexible this this field is. Now, I thought in the very beginning that this was all, like I said, I thought it was all just meetings and I thought it was all just documentation, right? I was really wrong because once you understand the frameworks, those are things you do. Don't get me wrong. Like that's a, like a main staple of what you do. It's one of the main things you do. However, once you know this framework you see, that you see on the screen here, once you see, once you know how to do this framework right here, once you understand this, once you ha know how to link this to security, security controls, once you understand that, you're going to, what I realize is that um, it helps me better understand fr other frameworks. Like what you're looking at here on the screen here is, a, is the NIST cybersecurity um, framework which is different from the NIST 853. So in the way that it's different, I can explain it very quickly. So the NIST cybersecurity framework is based off of the an organ, how, what does an organization need to do uh, to have security, right? They need to identify what processes need to be protected. Like what are our main assets, right? That's identify. Um, how do we protect those those assets once we know what they are? And then detecting uh, anomalies, detecting incidents, detecting if somebody's trying to hack us. How do we do that? Are we doing that as an organization, right? All the, all the cybersecurity framework does is break down what an organization, what functions an organization needs to do to be compliant with basic best security practices. That's all it does. How do they respond and how do they recover? You know, that's what these other last two things are talking about. And if, if you want to break it down, let's take I, I, ID. I'm going somewhere with this, and it's going to blow your mind once I'm done with this because it blew my mind, especially if you happen to be an information security officer. If you happen to be a cybersecurity person thinking about going in this field, I'm about to blow your mind. Okay, so cyber, we're talking about cybersecurity frameworks. Now, check this out. So cybersecurity framework, the NIST cybersecurity framework, what they do is they go by functions, so identify you're going to identify assets. How do you identify assets in your organization? Well, you do something like an asset management, right? Asset management means how often do we look at what's in our in our in our environment, right? So, if you don't know as an as an organization, let me tell you something. If you don't know in your if you don't know as an organization what is in your environment, you don't have a baseline. If you don't have a baseline, how in, how in the hell can you have cybersecurity? How can you have security if you don't even know what's in your environment? Right? Think about it. You don't know if you don't know what is in your environment. If you don't know what's on your network, how can you have security baseline? You can't. So the first thing you need to do is identify the assets in your organ in your organization on your network. So that's why ID is so important. ID identifying asset management now it breaks it down into subcategories of like making sure you you know where the physical security systems are like what are the, where's your hardware at where are we protecting it 
do you have software? What is the software? Um, how is the organization mapping this out? Do you have a network uh, charts and things like that, right? That's all a part of having a baseline, right? Now, look at this form, this this area here where you see all of this, all the information references. That's this part right here. If you can see my cursor. Each one of these things that you see here, each one of these is a different framework, a different security framework. So you have NIST SP, uh, NIST Special Publication 853, you, but you also have international standards such as 27001. And you also have things for banks, banking, and you could go on and on. You can you have PC compliant, PCI compliance, you have HIPAA compliance. You have if you my point is this. Let me just show you something. My point is this. If you understand NIST 853, if you understand the risk management framework. If you've been doing this for some time, if you understand one, you can, can understand all of them because they're very, very similar. If you understand NIST 853, you understand ISO 27002. Now, that might not mean nothing to you, but what ISO 27002 is, is an international standard. It's an international standard that is used in... Um, it's used in UK, right? It's used in Australia. It's used in uh, the EU. So other countries use this. So a lot of times, now this is crazy. A lot of times organizations will contact me to do ISO 27002 or to do uh, HIPAA or whatever framework they have because I know NIST. They want me because I know NIST because they know if I know NIST, I'll, I can understand 27002. Or I can do banking, or I can do hospitals, or I can do whatever, right? If I have that on my resume as a risk management framework person, they're contacting me about these other frameworks because they know I can do this other one, right? So it, that's a that's a big one. If you know one, you can do them all, and you can learn them all very quickly. To be honest with you, so here's some other frameworks that it inter, that it um, overlaps with. So if you know NIST 800, if you are if you are an information system security officer, you can do PCI DSS because a lot of PCI PCI is the the, the standard that they use to scan for um, scan uh, the the cards, credit card devices, all the credit card devices, retail. Whenever you're doing that stuff, they have to go through this very exhaustive process as well. It's very similar to the NIST, right? You got things like they ask questions like, "Oh, are, are you backing up on a regular basis? Um, are you are you doing audit logs? Do you monitor those audit logs?" It's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. So there's a lot of overlap with all these other with all these other com security compliance uh, frameworks, and that just means for you, like it, it means more work. And so that that's kind of what I wanted to. These are things that I wish that I would have known when I first started this. It would have made me a lot more excited about risk management framework. Um, if you if you know one, you know them all. If you if you deep dive into this, if you get get yourself get under your belt one year of experience doing NIST 853 and get familiar with things like PCI and HIPAA and all these other ones, and it's not that big of a read to be honest with you. It's so similar. Once you know NIST, it's like oh I know what this is. These are security controls. Oh I know what this is. This is this this is assessments. I know how to do assessments. I've done those before. You know, 
it's just all interlapping and and it's it makes it so that it's a lot easier to get work it's a lot easier to get jobs um if you know the nist 800 if you know one you know them all especially nist like nist is so exhaustive it has so many security controls that it overlaps with so many different things right the same can't be said about PCI. If you only know PCI, you don't necessarily know NIST because NIST goes, it's so deep and detailed that it can, it covers every, it just covers every aspect of basic best practices for security. All right, that's all I want to say about that. I got some questions here on to the next topic. Somebody said, I've got some people watching me here. Uh, Cash says, um, and I hope I can answer this question. It says, Hello, sir. Could you share some entry-level attributes certifications that would make an aspiring security control analyst or engineer's application stand out? Uh, step one sounds like security operations support, uh, security operations center support. Um, for an aspiring, so share some entry-level attributes and certifications that would make okay yeah i can do this this is this is easy um yeah this is an easy one so if i was starting out let's say i was doing this i was starting out right now from scratch and um i needed to figure out what to do like knowing what i know now what would i what let's start off with skill set like what attributes do you need to know as a entry-level security so let's say cybersecurity person. Number one would be knowing the basics, right? So knowing um, knowing the fundamentals of, of best security practices, of what is confidentiality, what is integrity, what is availability. Confidentiality goes into things like cryptocurrency, <laughs> cryptography. I'm sorry, you know, see where my head is at. Crypt cryptography, right? Crypto. How do you encrypt things? What's the best encryption? How do you how do you protect data at rest? Data in transit and data uh, and and data that's being processed. Um, integrity. How? What are some of the common attacks on on data as it's in transit, right? And then availability. Things like knowing things like denial of service attacks, right? And I'll, and I'll talk to you about the common body of knowledge you need to know. But at, for right now, those are the, some of the things that you really need to know as a cybersecurity person. Protection of the CIA, which is confidentiality, integrity, availability, right? You need to know basic stuff about cybersecurity. And I'm going to show you where you can find that. Uh, another thing you need to really, I would really encourage you to know is network, a little bit about network engineering. Like um, how do IP addresses work? The re you can't really avoid it these days because everything is networked, right? So I would know a little bit about that. Um, no, these days I'd probably know a little bit about cloud technologies. Cloud cloud technologies is big, and I, hey, I'm still learning this stuff myself. It's new for me, right? Because I'm an old head. This it's it's a new it's kind of new for me uh, as far as the implementation these days, how they're doing it as far as AWS and, and, and Google cloud and, and all Azure and all that stuff. So it's new to me. I'm still learning, but as a new guy, I would definitely know a little bit about that. Uh, frameworks, the stuff I'm talking about here is actually important. It comes up from time to time. And as far as certifications, let me show you a little something. Let me, 
let me bring up on my screen some certifications some certifications that I often visit and that I, I would encourage you to to use and that are important um, CompTIA um, I, I stand behind it I've got a couple CompTIA certifications it's a great like if CompTIA if you guys are watching man I would I would be if you guys are willing to pay me I'd be willing to be an evangelist for CompTIA is great and IC2 square too if you guys ever watch me hit me up uh, contacts in the in my um, about us page on YouTube or on Facebook contact me so I can get paid <laughs> uh, I got so many certifications on it hold on let me switch my screen here real quick so you guys can see what I see um, I've, I've been going through this for many years and uh, I gotta say they did a great job on CompTIA like especially for entry-level type positions uh, it's incredible but let me show you where I would start if I didn't know anything at all about uh, about IT, I would start with the CompTIA fundamentals. Like if you don't know anything, like you're coming from, somebody contacted me the other day, they were a journalist, and she's like, hey, I would like to get into uh, risk management framework. And she has, I said, do you have any experience? She says, no, as I said, I'm a, I'm a journalist. <laughs> so I, if, if that's you, I would start here, CompTIA IT fundamentals, right? I, I would start here now. If you're if you are entry level, you're, you're new. You've been doing this for some time. You're you're a geek. You you know your way around a computer. You don't really. You can skip this, right? You can go straight to. But you let's say you need to sharpen your skills up, right? You don't have maybe you 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 haven't been on the help desk before, but you really want to get there. But you you do know a thing or two about computers. I would suggest the A plus certification. Now for me, I I gotta say this was not an easy. This is probably because this is one of the first certifications I took when I first got into this field. A-plus certification. Now they've broken it into two parts. But what's really cool about the A-plus certification, the, what I really like about this is that it's they're very good about the common body of knowledge. It's my favorite thing about CompTIA and ISC2. Right? That's another organization who does, um, who does certifications. The, my favorite thing is that they they really stick to a they have a real good solid body body of knowledge so it's just that if you know that common body of knowledge you'll you'll know your way about around a computer right and you should get some hands on too i would highly suggest skill set get some hands on technical experience um uh, with this stuff now let's say you you have been doing help desk for a while and you're an entry level cybersecurity person you don't necessarily need the CompTIA. Let me show you something else you can, you can, I would highly recommend you do. Um, if you've been in this field for a while, it's Security Plus. Security Plus is a great certification. Uh, it is one of my favorite certifications. It's a great, I wouldn't say entry level necessarily. It's like a, it's like your entry level and you're about to level up. That's what Security Plus is. It's, it's not entry level, right? It's like, I'm entry level now, but I want to level up one more. That's Security Plus, right? Security Plus is a great leg up. This is a certification I would highly recommend if you are starting out with this. It's and it's and actually pays really good too. Security Plus, when you get this under your belt, especially if you have some years of experience in IT or cybersecurity, and you have a little bit of background in this, uh, maybe you have a degree. Security Plus is a great garnish to your overall resume i'm telling you it's a great certification i would highly recommend it it's going to get you paid more 
And if you're trying to seek higher professional level certifications, it's a really good step up uh, to towards like it covers like maybe 60 percent or more of the CISSP if you were going that route. Right. If you were trying to level up one more time, it's going to cover a good chunk of the CISSP. It's not the equivalent. Those tests are not equivalent whatsoever. Whatsoever. CISSP is ridiculously hard. But it's a really good way to to get your to get your feet wet and and see if you want to go that professional route, right? The professional level certifications. So that's what I would. I hope this answers your question about what attributes and certifications. I would highly recommend that you learn the very basics about best practice of security. I would highly recommend you learn um, best practices of things like um, certified ethical hacking is is a real good one. Uh, and then certifications, I would recommend the Security Plus to begin to start with if you're entry level. And then, of course, the last thing I would say is to get yourself in a position where you're in not necessarily a cybersecurity role, but any kind of any kind of help desk troubleshooting type role where you have a hands on. Very good information because you're actually going to learn a lot of security doing uh, doing that kind of work. So that's that's what I would recommend, and I hope that I hope that helps. Um, somebody asked me. I've got more questions here. I'm just I'm like reading here. I actually got one from Facebook. Whoa, that's the first. Uh, so somebody's asking me, what types of cybersecurity jobs are valid for remote jobs? I get this question quite a bit. Um, what kind of jobs would I recommend for remote work? Um, off the top of my head, I'm gonna, I'll tell you off the top of my head what I would recommend, and then I'll I'll show you some some actual data, right? So you can make your own decision about it. Coming from doing this stuff for I've just to, let me just put context on this. I've been working from home for the last six years now. Like I only take work from home jobs now. I've got you know I'm a I'm a single father. I've got two kids, right? I I can't I have my time has to be spent. Uh, at home, right? I just have so much stuff going on at home. So what jobs have I seen from my friends, from my from coworkers? What do I do now? What I do now is is, is I do risk risk assessments. So you can be a risk assessor, you can be a cyber cybersecurity consultant. You can do I've done a little bit of ISO work from from home. I've done a little bit of information system security officer work from home, right? Uh, what you get into the jobs you want to avoid is probably any jobs where they're talking about working in a skiff or any jobs that are talking about you, you're doing top secret clearance type seek any kind of clearance jobs are not going to have remote necessarily. Although that's changing, even that's changing, but most of them won't, uh, other jobs would be network engineers, firewall administrators, um, virtually any job, help desk jobs. Uh, many of them can be done from home. I'm going to show you how to find some of them real quick. Here's here's how you would find them, right? Whatever field you're in, let me just show you very quickly how you could go about finding it. I'm just going to go to one site, okay? Now I have a whole. Before I start this, let me just promote. Let me make some money here real quick. Before I I, I show I promote somebody else's stuff, let me just show you real quick. Combo courses. I have a whole course about this. I have a whole course about this because I've been working from home. For many, many years. As a matter of fact, before COVID-19 is when I wrote this, when I created this. And I have this 
foolproof thing I've been using for years. And I just decided to tell other people about it, people who might be interested in working remotely. And here it is right here. It's only $75. Price will go up soon as I add more things to it. Every now and then I'll add more stuff to this. Once you get any of my courses, sign up is free, by the way. I, I add more stuff to it as time goes on. And as it as I add more stuff to it, the value of it, of course, goes up. Right now it's only 75 bucks, But it walks you through how I've been able to work from home for many, many years. Now let me just give you some free let me just hit you up on some free game real quick. Oh, wait. You got to see this. So this is me working from the Philippines. <laughs> one of my old jobs, I was, I was remotely working from the Philippines. And then here's one from, let me see, Thailand. I'm working from Thailand. That's Thailand right there. That's Pattaya. So just thought I literally working from Pattaya. So yeah, I've been doing this for years. There's some things you definitely need to know first. Now let me let me hit you up on some free game real quick. All right, so you follow along with me if you want to find yourself a remote position. It's gonna blow your mind. Indeed.com, good old Indeed.com. After this, you probably won't even have to buy my course. To be honest with you, free game. So now, what is your job title? Cyber. I don't know if you're still on, so I'm just gonna make something up. Cybersecurity. I'm gonna say cybersecurity entry level. Right? Okay, look at this. Cybersecurity entry level. I see guys' questions by the way. I'm not ignoring you. I'm just I'm answering one question at a time. So this what I did, what I put in here, I don't know if you can see this, but I put remote where? What do I want to work? Remote. You can do this with most uh job aggregators, by the way. I put the job title and I put remote and this is going to tell you how to find remote positions and there's all as you can see there's all kinds of remote jobs here now some of these come with a caveat like this this ISO job might say well you can work remotely however you have to be in Maryland right you have to be within X amount of miles of, of Maryland right sometimes also it'll say remote but you got to read between the lines because it's not actually remote, you know, so this is that's where your your own research comes in to find those remote positions. But this one right here clearly says a remote and it's an IT specialist. So to answer your question of what kind of cybersecurity jobs are valid, you got to look them up. There's a cybersecurity manager. There's an information security specialist. There's a, a SOC analyst that somebody mentioned earlier. There's a cybersecurity analyst here. These are some remote jobs here. This is another remote one, senior manager, information security. So all kinds of jobs, right? It just depends on the work, uh, on what you're doing and, and all that kind of stuff. All right, moving on to the next question. Let me see, just reading, reading some more questions here. Somebody said, uh, hey Bruce, when you get a chance, would you comment on your transition from being a ISO uh, in the military to civilian world. Oh man, I can really speak on this one. I'm thinking about making the jump, but feel a little intimidated. Uh, okay, yeah. So Alex, like this is really, this is my life right here, man. Like this right here, like I can definitely walk you through what happened to me to trying to, trying to give you like a, an idea of where I'm at. So. Just for context, I went into the military in, um, in the 90s, right? So I'm, a, I'm an old dude. I'm an old head, man. So in the 90s, I was in the military going to war zones and shit. Like, sucked, man. I was a, I was a security um, 
I was a security forces member, right? That's when they called it security for, I don't know what they call it now, but I was a cop in the military basically. And I was a weapon specialist. That was my thing. I just learned, I know like, I know everything about the M16A2 uh, rifle. I know everything about the, I can take it apart and put it back together blindfolded. <laughs> the M16A2 is a magazine fed gas operated. I, like I could, I could break it all down to you. Like that was my specialty. Anyway, I cross trained uh, into comm. Because that's what I, I liked computers. I was obsessed with computers. And this was the 90s, remember? So there was like that computer, that boom on the internet. Like the Google was came out. And you had, you know, you had Amazon blowing, like j just came out. It wasn't even blowing up yet. They were like, people like Amazon, what's that? Yahoo, this is Alta Vista. I don't know if you guys remember that site. That was a search engine that was popular at the time, right? I'm dating myself, AOL, all that kind of stuff. So that was at that time. I cross-trained. In 2000, I cross-trained into uh, into computers uh, in the military, and it was known as uh, computer operator. And I just wanted to do like Linux, and I wanted to do like I wanted to be a server administrator or or a Cisco router guy or something like that. So they threw me into what's now known as ISO work. So I I hated it. Um, I I hated it with a burning passion of a thousand suns i did not like it i was sitting in a skiff and then they were like they didn't even tell me how to do it like they just gave me a bunch of manuals and said you're gonna be we need you to do this system security authorization agreement right which is now called a system security plan but i was like what and they're like yeah you need to do this this document because we need to get a certification for this this classified system we have and i'm like I don't even know what the hell they're talking about, right? I, keep in mind, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a freaking, I came from, like, I was a physical security guy who was a weapon specialist, and now, you know, they're throwing me into this, into this skiff, and they're telling me to do this document and stuff. I'm like, man. So I started reading it from scratch. Like, I, I was self-taught. I just started reading all the regulations. They had all these DOD regulations. They had, like, the Rainbow Series they had uh, it was called Diacap at the time. Long story short, I learned how to be an ISO and I wrote my first uh, authorization package and I sent it up and it got approved and uh, hated every minute of it. Right. But it, I did such a great job. I hated it, but I did a great job. <laughs> That's all I knew. Right. Later on, I was able to do firewalls. I was able to do network engineering. I was able to get my hand. You know how the military is. They kind of let you play with so many different things. I got all these certifications and stuff. I was, really go I was a go-getter, so I went and did everything I could to learn as much as I could. Uh, and it wasn't easy. Like I got a degree when I was in the military. I was working full-time. I just had a kid. They sent me to freaking Afghanistan. Like It was a nightmare. So I became an ISO in the military. And then they tried to send me to Iraq again, and I was like, I do not want to go to Iraq. I've been you just you guys just sent me to Afghanistan. It was a hellhole. I could tell you that's a whole nother video. I could tell you all kinds of stories about that. Like that was a freaking. I wasn't even there that long. The army guys is who I really felt bad for. I just came there to fix some morale con computers. They were. It was like we were, we were saviors, man. We came there. We we hooked up some. Uh, some systems of morale computers. It was basically the only way that people can, can, some people can communicate with their family. So when we hooked those things up, they were like, 
Oh my God, you guys are lifesavers. People were crying. It was crazy. We had to hook up a network from scratch and then we had to hook up the computer. Anyway, so I have some technical skills. I got out of the military. Uh, and the reason why is because they were going to send me back to a war zone. And I'm like, dude, I missed my kids' first steps. I've missed my kids' first words. You guys are going to send me to another war zone so I can almost get killed. And I got out. That's the reason why I got out. And uh, I was I was afraid. I'm like, man, I, I all I knew was the military. My entire adult life up to that point was the military. So I really didn't. It was it was a wake up call. I had more debt than ever. Right. Like you don't realize how much the military takes care of you. And I'm not trying to encourage you to stand by any stretch of the imagination. The military has its own issues. So I, I don't I don't blame you at all for getting out. I'm just telling you, just be ready for the financial reality of the civilian world because it's no joke, bro. <laughs> it's no joke man anyway i had a I had a mortgage i got a house with a va loan va loans dope by the way do that uh make sure you you uh write down every single ailment you have especially your back man as you get older all the stuff you've done in the military starts to hit you your ears man you won't hear the same anymore you if you've shot, shot weapons like i did the whole time you went to a combat zone you might have ringing in your ears you want to make sure all that's in your medical records side note make sure that's in your medical records because They'll pay you for that stuff, right? So make sure you don't be one of these tough guys and say, "Oh, I don't need that." You know, I don't, you know, no, man. As you get older, you start falling apart, and it's, and the military puts some miles on you. I know if you're a young twenty-year-old dude, young thirty-year-old guy, you don't see it. You're a tough guy, man. As you get older, all the stuff you did in the military. Anyway, put it in your medical records. That's all I'll say about that. I got out of the military, and. um I started – I did not want to do anything involving information security officer or risk management framework. I didn't want to do it. So I applied for a job doing like um, field technician. I was a field technician for like a year or two years, and I, I learned Linux deeply. I learned how to do a little scripting. I learned how – I just dove into just straight-up technical stuff. You know, with I had a mentor. He was walking me through everything. To him, him and I are friends to this day. I can that guy could teach some stuff. I wish he would teach, but he doesn't. Anyway, so I did that for a couple years. Here's what happened. Here's what happened, Alex. Um, turns out field technicians don't get paid that much, right? Uh, and then they want to overwork you. So. I got a, I got, I start putting my resume out again. And this time I was like, I'm open to going back into cybersecurity, right? I got so many offers immediately to do risk management framework, what they called DIACAP at that time. They called it DIACAP back then. So I'm, again, I'm dating myself, but they contacted me and uh, they said, hey, could you do DIACAP for this or for the Air Force, right? And I'm a civilian now. And I, I was being solicited by this other contracting agency to do work. And I said, yes, they offered me like, I don't know, 25% more money to do 25% less work. <laughs> I mean, like, I, like I, it was an offer I, I couldn't refuse. So I took the job. And uh, what I learned was uh, cybersecurity pays more, right, because it's a specialization. Risk management framework an information system security officer work pays more than your counterparts in the government civilian sector. Although government civilian sector will allow you to retain your total active duty military. So I, I would you, you definitely want to weigh your options, especially if you have kids or whatever. You want to retire, 
right? It just depends on what you want to do. But if you become a contractor with Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, or SAIC, or name your three, four-letter uh, corporate entities, any one of those guys is going to pay you pretty good, like six figures, right? If you're coming out of the military, you got two, three years of experience. Um, it depends on where you're at, too. Six figures don't really go that far. If you're in, say, Maryland, D.C. area, six figures, like, you know, what do you, what do you mean six figures? 100000 or is it 120,000, right? There's a there's a difference, right? And where like 100,000 in Texas or 100,000 in say Omaha, Nebraska is is a, is really good compared to 100,000 in Maryland. So it depends on where you're going to go. That so these are just some of the things I learned when I got out of the military. Just things I would I would do if I were you um as far as mindset is uh it's different, right? It's it's more dog eat dog in the civilian sector. Um, you got to You don't have anything to worry about. You're gonna know your stuff out of coming out of the military. Vets are no, are no joke because you guys, you know, we we know our stuff. Like we've been doing it for for some. We've been indoctrinated in this world. So I would just make sure you uh, tighten up your resume. Right? Use don't use military speak use civilian speak right don't use a bunch of acronyms as much as possible translate to a more civilian so people need to know what you're talking about right um like for example if you had a a, a weapon system you worked on as an iso and it was called j2f 583 right don't put that in your resume <laughs> just call it a weapon system you know call it a a a, a Unix-based weapon system that used Linux Red Hat, right? So the key words for the civilian sector are things like Red Hat, you know, different versions of Linux, different version, how many years of experience you have, maybe uh, the technical stuff that you want to put in there. Don't put any kind of military, as much as possible, don't put any military jargon. Don't put that you are a flight sergeant for, you got to put, you are a manager for 400 student you, you know what i'm saying like you have to put the the proper terminology right in there so that that's just when tighten up your resume make make it for civilian world the civilian sector um if you can get your finish out your degree if you have one uh if you don't have a degree make sure you get like get out with a professional level certification because that's going to take you – that means like a CISA or a CISSP or a CEH or something or a CAP. ISC2 CAP is good. Um, I, a CASP, CompTIA CASP is good. Get something like that and make the military pay for it, right? Tighten up your resume. Get one of those certifications. Get your degree if you have one. If not, get yourself a professional-level certification. Um, what else? The mindset of civilians are, is totally different, right? It, it's a dog eat dog. You don't have like a com that camaraderie you had in the military. You know, you you have this mission oriented camaraderie in the military that you don't really have in the corporate space. Corporate space is all about just it's kind of every man for himself kind of attitude. I mean, I hate to say it, but that's the truth. Um, that's that's about it. I mean, I hope that that helps. You know, um, if you if you're thinking about making the jump, just make sure you're prepared. It's not it's not a bad move to be honest with you. Let me see. We've got some other questions here. Somebody says, I'm looking to dip into the SCA work. Do you have any videos for that? Yeah, I actually have a lot of videos about that because I get this question a lot. 
So what he's talking about is SCA means uh, Security Control Assessor. And I got a just last week, actually, if you la if you watch my previous live, I talk about it. And actually, if you just go to if you go to YouTube and search for SEA to ISO or ISO to SEA, or actually, if you just type in SEA, I'm probably going to come up. My face is probably going to come up. Um, and if you guys didn't know, SEA means Security Control Assessor or Control Security Control Assessment type work, and that's doing assessments on systems that means doing scans and then making sure interpreting the scans and then writing a report about it you know and then and then presenting that to the organization is, is kind of what you do with the sea work i kind of do it now but i'm doing it for the civilian sector where we're doing risk assessments which is a bit different than than uh sea work uh so i hope that that answered your question i can actually hold on let me see if i can find it real let me see if i can find one of those videos i might be able to Find one of those videos. And wow, Chrome just freaking crashed on me. Let me give me a second. I'm gonna see if I can show you the SEA videos. I have tons of free stuff out there. I don't have any paid courses for it yet. I've been working on that for about 15 years now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I just I'm a busy man, so I would really like to do that SEA course, but it's been. It's been pretty hectic in my life lately. Um, let me see. SCA. I'm just on Google. I'm on YouTube typing SCA to see if I can find ISO SCA type. ISO. I got tons of free stuff. I've been I've been talking about it for many years. Yeah. Yep, here we go right here. Let me show you. My team just released one not too long ago. Um, give me a second here. Chrome just crashed on me, so I'm having a. I don't know why it just did that. Probably needs an update or something. <sighs> Come on, man. Here we go. Okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. Let me show you my screen here. All I did was I typed in, I'm in YouTube, and I typed in SEA ISO. And uh, I'm one of the first search results right there. That's me. That's one of my recent Q&A sessions where somebody asked me this question. Um, let me see. Here's another one, daily task of an ISO. But you probably want, let me see if I can find another SEA one. Why well, there's tons of dudes who look like me who's talking about risk management framework too. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, okay. Oh yeah, here you go. Conducting an assessment as a security control assessor. So yeah, just go to YouTube and type in uh, type in SEA ISO, and then you'll find you'll find a ton of free videos that I did about uh, security control assessor work. So I hope that I hope that helps. Hope that helps. I, I plan on doing a lot more information, a lot more videos about SEA work because that's what I do. I've been doing it for quite some time. I know I really know how to do assessments. I know the textbook answer for assessments. Um, and I, I'm hoping to put something like that together for you. And I'm actually learning quite a bit from from the from the team I have about it. Um, apologize to the uh, to the. Facebook team here, but anyway, all I did was I went to YouTube and I typed. You actually, you could probably do this on Facebook too. If you type in SCA ISO, you'll find me some of my videos where I talk about it. Just not, you know, why I come up 
uh, as like number one on this is because not a lot of people talk about this. I'm like one of the few people who actually talk in detail about it. I'm probably the only one, to be honest with you. Because um, these guys, there's other guys here. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't watch these guys' material. So they might go in as in-depth as I do. I, I don't know. But um, yeah, so that, that I hope that helps. Let me see here. Um, somebody asked me about what about SCI DSS? And another question they said was PCI SCS, uh, PCI DSS. What do you think about that? What do you think about the PCI SDS, uh, DSS course? So I actually have talked about this with a person who I only recently started doing uh, PCI uh assessments so i know i know a bit about it and uh but let me show you something i did a video like five years back about pci dss and uh i interviewed a, a acquaintance of mine let me see if i can find it it's not that popular but it's it's pretty buried where it was a it was acquaintance of my an acquaintance of mine who he that was his job for many years and uh i interviewed him it's one of the very few interviews i did on my site about it let me see pci industry versus risk management framework talk a little about it. and all i did was i just went to my front page here and then uh, you can go here and search for any content you have you want for free on uh combo courses uh, channel. If you want something more deep, then go to ComboCourses.com and sign up for free. I'm looking for the interview I did about PCI compliance with an acquaintance of mine, and um, not sure where it's at. This might be it right here, actually. So let's say you have to read an incredibly long email from your boss that you have to finish before the big meeting. Okay. Through that ad, I have the honor of this being with a yeah. PCI so this guy, professional. This was an interview I did. This this dude here is a was a. I don't know if he still does it. We haven't talked in a, in a long time. But I did this in 2018. This is four years ago, and uh, this guy is a was a PCI uh, assessor, and he was just. I just asked him a bunch of questions about it, and we were comparing risk management framework to PCI compliance and stuff. And what do I think about it? Man, it's it's easy, man. Like it's super easy. <laughs> if you know, if you're, let me tell you something. If you're an information system security officer, if you know this stuff, PCI stuff is easy. It's the same thing. It's basically the same uh, security practices. It's the same security practices that you that you use in risk management framework. Except risk management framework is just way deeper. Essentially, risk management framework is way deeper than PCI work. I, one thing I have learned recently about PCI work is to be a PCI, they have a, a, a title for it. It's called a PCI auditor. I think it is PCI auditor. Is that what it's called? I have to. Anyway, uh, what they're looking for, what my job, where they were looking for a specific skill set for PCI, right? I was able to do it, but they were looking for this other level of PCI auditors and you needed a CISA and a CISSP to do this work. 
and I can't recall what it was called, but uh, it was like an auditor for PCI compliance. And um, it's, I mean, I, I, I think PCI's work is in demand. I don't see a lot of stuff on Indeed.com, which, which, is, which is surprising to me. And if like we know the Indeed, it's just like I use Indeed is because like a barometer for for different uh, fields. So let's just look at PCI DSS, right? This is people doing compliance for the credit card industry. This is this is rem I accidentally looked for remote, but we probably want to get rid of the remote here. So while that's coming up, let me see what other questions I have here. Phenomenal insight. Thanks again. Oh, thank you so much, man. I, I just, just, uh, just experience, you know. All right. So let me see here. I'm gonna get rid of remote and see. Let's just look at this field for what it is. PC. All I typed. I just went to D. Uh, Indeed, and I typed in PCI DSS to see what, what we'll find here. And uh, yeah, there's some jobs for There's some information security engineering jobs. Uh, there's a identity and access analyst job. There's a PCI QSA. That's what it's called QSA. So they were looking for a QSA quality security assessor, quality security assessor, qualified, sorry, qualified security assessor. That's what they were looking for. And in our organization, to be a qualified security assessor, they were going to send you to training, but the first step is you had to have a CISSP and a CSA, a CISA. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so this is, this is, it's a pretty good field. Like, it's, there's 3,000 job, jobs here for this on Indeed. So that's, that's not bad. That's not bad. So what do I think about it? I think it's a good, it's a good thing to know. Definitely PCI DSS is a great thing to put on your resume. That's for sure. If you have this, if you have this skill set as a PCI DSS person, then put definitely put that on your resume. That's what I think about it. It's definitely worth your time. If I'm putting it on my resume, I mean, I I did a, a a few assessments for it, so I'm definitely putting it on my resume, right? So every little bit helps. It's a good thing to know. That's what I think about it. It's great to know, and actually, it's not even that complicated. I've had to. Do it on my own personal business. It's really not that much work. It's really not that stretch. If you already are a cybersecurity person, it's basically it's basic best practices, best security practices. With a maybe there's a little things here and there depending on your infrastructure for doing PCI. But if you if you are doing the ISL work, then it's it will be easy for you to understand it. All right. Let me see. What else do I have here? What's oh here's a good question. Oh, I like this one. This is great. What cities outside of let me switch the screen here so we can read this. What cities outside of DMV have the best ISO SEA work opportunities? It's a great question. I love this question. I've had this question many times over the years. Um so DMV is Help me out here, guys. D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. That area has the most jobs for what we do in the U.S. anyway. In the U.S., that area, East Coast, has has so many positions for what we do for information system security officer work, for cybersecurity work, for cryptography, 
for uh, forensics, for um, and of course for security control assessors, security compliance officers, all that. And the reason why is because most of the U.S. government's federal organizations, the three letters, the NSA, the CIA, the FBI, they're all there, all their Quantico, all of those headquarters are there. And then you've got the DOD, the Department of Defense, you know, the Department of all every organization, the Pentagon, all of them are all in that area, right? So there's so many jobs that pay really, really well for what we do. So that's what that's what he means. But now the question is this: What other places outside of the that area have the best? SEA work. Now, this is based on my personal experience, but what I want to do is back that up with a little bit of data, right? I'm going to I'm gonna tell you my experience with it, and then I'm going to back it up with data. Top cybersecurity locations. Um, yes, I'm on YouTube. <laughs> yes, I'm typing it into YouTube, <laughs> but I want to tell you my own personal experience with it as well as I'm lurk looking. Okay, couple places in the US, in the USA. Just before I show you data, off the top of my head, what I've seen, right? Offers I've gotten myself, and then I'll tell you why in each one of those places. Um, one of the places, Colorado, why? So Colorado has five or six bases in this state. Bases means Department of Defense. Bases means Department of the Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines, like the, everybody's here. Space Force, I think, has a branch here. Cybersecurity Command has Northcom has a command here. There's several commands here. There's several branches of the military here. There's there's a few headquarters here. Uh, our space, our Air Force space commands here. Like uh, at one point, you had NORAD here. Like you you have so many. I think NORAD's still here. There's five or six different bases in Colorado, and then you got multiple headquarters here, right? It's just not something people think about. It's probably comes from the Cold War, back in the Cold War when they thought that there would be nuclear weapons and stuff. The U.S. started putting some of their assets here because they knew it's in the mountains and it's going to be hard. They buried a base underground. This is not classified. It's called Cheyenne Mountain, right? It's you can Google it. It's in, the base doesn't even exist anymore. So, or as far as I know, I think they got rid of it, but. Tons of bases here, tons of opportunities here. So Colorado, number one. Another place that comes up a lot for me is Plano, Texas. Not just Texas, but Plano, Texas. Plano, Texas has come, become like a, 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 a tech hub. There's so many contracting agencies. They're, they're doing assessment work. There's, they're doing in, information security officer work. I get so many calls from Plano, Texas. It's crazy. Sometimes from Houston or or that kind of Dallas Fort Worth, but mostly Plano, Texas. Another one, so Colorado, Plano, Texas, Southern California. I get some from San Diego. And the reason why San Diego is because San Diego has a big Navy presence there. San Diego has a spa war and U.S. Department of the Navy. I don't know if they're headquartered there or whatever, but the Navy has tons of assets in that area. So I get tons of calls about that. And then the, the L.A. has a bunch of stuff there, too, where they have their headquarters there for dif different um, different contracting agencies. So Southern California has quite a bit of jobs for, for the type of work you're talking about. Another place would be, I know I'm forgetting a couple, should, let me see, what places, 
I've gotten some from Florida because the Southcom is there, but not that many. Uh, I know I feel like I'm forgetting one or two places. If you got chime in, if you if you have any off the top of your head that you can think of that are good, those are the main ones that I would that I would um, that I would consider that are up there with with your um, DMV type area, you know for these kinds of jobs but let me let me back this up with data like i said i want to go to a site that's talking about this uh, let me see top cybersecurity um in this top cybersecurity states or places i'll say places um now that's my experience guys but what i want to do is show you a little bit of data maybe I'm, i might even be forgetting some stuff so let's let's look at that too all right let me switch this over here there you go and then we'll switch it over here yeah okay washington dc of course that's that's the dmb that he's talking about it's number one uh, largest con concentration of of this type of work and then they mentioned New York for cyber now I just typed in cybersecurity so not necessarily ISO work but I, I would not put New York on my list but I do ha I have gotten offers from there San Francisco I wouldn't put it on my list because we're talking about security control assessors and we're talking about information security officer work which is mostly federal jobs you just don't have a lot of federal organizations uh, in these two states, I mean cities. I mean, even though they they have a ton of job jobs and and tons of work. Uh, Chicago I haven't gotten Arlington, Virginia. That's the DMV. Uh, Washington I haven't really got a lot, but Redmond that's that's near Redmond. So you know Seattle has a ton of of software and Microsoft stuff there. Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's been picking up a little bit, but not. I wouldn't. San Diego, I mentioned that one. Dallas, Texas. Uh, let me see. Yeah, I don't. I I guess I got a couple of them right. Um, so just telling you guys my two cents about that. So I I hope that answers your your question. Alex Miller says, "Steel Security Forces." Okay, good to know. Good to know. Uh, let me see here. Uh, okay, Tequila, Tequilo and Snitch says you can find ISO jobs most uh, most military installations near most. Yes, so true, so true. Somebody said I'm about to land a job as an information systems security officer with no degree and only a security plus. What's your advice? How long would you recommend? Uh, it take to get the CISSP? That is a great question. That's a great, great question because I, I literally have experience with that very thing that you're talking about. Cause that, so something similar happened to me. So that, I got a job when I first got out of the military. Um, I, I did some straight up technical work. I was a field tech for like a year or two, and I, um, I mean, I liked it. It was fun, but it, it didn't pay that good. And they were kind of for lack of a better word, they were assholes. So um, at the time, right? So 
shout out Northrop Grumman. So um, anyway, so I worked there for some time as a field tech, and um, I went back to my roots, which is information system security officer work. And they hired me for more money, but under the condition I would get a CISSP in one year, right? Now we're getting back to your question here. So your question was, uh, just so you guys know the context of what I'm talking about, he says, I got a job as an IS, ISSO with no degree, just a security plus, and, and what's your advice? How long do you recommend I take to get the CISSP? Okay, so they told me this organization that hired me they said look you got one year to get the cissp and that's the condition that we're hiring you under i said cool so i get in there and i work my ass off so number one work your ass off you don't have a degree you have a security plus prove yourself work your ass off work extra hours if you have to get shit done on time deliver it you know get, get do quality work stuff like that right work your ass i worked my ass off so at the end of the year i did not have a cissp I was terrified to take it. I was terrified. I, I knew how hard it was, and I'm I'm a, I'm a terrible test taker. I'm really good at studying. I'm not a very good test taker, right? That's why I study so hard because I'm not good. I second guess myself too much. I, I'll spend every minute, every second I can on the test. Anyway, after one year, I didn't have it, but I'd worked my ass off. So they're like, "Look, we want to keep you, but you still don't have your CISSP, and you have to get the CISSP." They said, "Look, when are you going to get the CISSP?" And I said, I said, look, I just be, I was honest. I said, look, I, I'm just, I don't feel like I'm ready. I've been studying, but I just don't feel like I'm ready yet. So how about this? I, I offered, I said, look, let me take the security plus first. And then after that, that will prepare me for the CISSP. And I was right. That, that's exactly what I did. So they gave me six months to take the security plus. I took the security plus, studied for it, took it, passed it. And then after that, they're like, okay, now you got to get CISSP. Right. There's no joke. You got to get it. So I gave myself another six months and then I studied, 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 took the CISSP and passed it. So I would it depends on how you study. It depends on how you learn, how quickly you memorize stuff, how quickly you write. What are your study? Can, are they going to send you to a boot camp? Like there's a lot of different factors. But for me, I can just tell you my experience, uh, Josh, and maybe that will give you some idea what you can do for yourself. Um I had at the time did not have a security plus. I had a I had a degree. It was a re reverse for me. To be honest with you, security plus helped me much more than my degree than my degree. My experience and my security plus helped me quite a bit. My experience helped the most. Like my experience was like I was literally going through the test and I was like this happened to me before and I was figuring stuff out by my experience. <laughs> so but then also security plus also prepared me because the the common body of knowledge is is so in depth that it allowed me to say, okay, okay, I I remember this on Security Plus. It's very similar, right? So I was able to answer questions that way too. So what I did was I took probably from the time Security Plus to the time I got the CISP, I took like a solid year studying it. And what I did was I got the official book. And then I annotated the book. Like I went through and I took notes. I took I went section by section each domain and I took the most important thing out of each domain. Cut out the fluff and I wrote that into a book of notes. And the way that I wish I could show you how I write notes because the way I do it is is just to, just the practice. I write myself like a – it's almost like a Q&A, right? 
based off of keywords. I should probably teach this. It really works. I can show you real quick. Let me see. So I took a notebook book similar to this. And what I did was I know how my brain works, right? It's really important to know how your brain works, how you learn, right? In other words, how you learn. Like, do you, are, you a, are you a visual learner? Are you an audio learner? Are you a um, tactile learner, a kinetic learner? Like, do you learn by writing? I learned mostly by writing and visual. I knew that. So I knew I had to, I can't write every word in the CISSP book, right? That's, that's going to take way too long. <laughs> Everything I write down, though, I remember it. So what I did was I took a notebook like this. I folded the page in half. I can't remember where I learned this from, some college course or something. I fold it in half like this. I fold the paper in half like this, right? And then what I do is I only stick with most important things. How do you know what's the most important things? Um, you go domain by domain and focus chapter uh, – Paragraph by paragraph, each paragraph is going to have a main topic. The main topics are the things that you want to focus on. Everything comes back to the main topic, right? Those are the things you have to memorize in some way, shape, or form. So here's how I did it. Let's say, let's see something I know, risk management framework, right? So let's say I needed to know about risk management framework. That's on the test, by the way. It's it's um, yeah, risk management framework stuff is on the test. A little bit of it is on the test. Security compliance. So let's say they wanted to know, like they had in the book, is talking about risk management, breaking all the steps down, security compliance. Right, you're gonna have to know this the steps of risk management framework, for example. So what I would do is on this side, I would put the main topic, which would be say risk management framework, risk RMF. I put RMF steps right here. I put RMF steps on this side of the line. Remember I folded the page in, in, in half? On this side, I put risk management steps. Now, there's there's seven steps, right? At the time, six steps. But there's seven, whatever, however many steps there are, right? There's seven steps. So I would put, a key, give myself a keyword, seven. And then on this side, I put each step. You know, you got you got preparation, you got preparation, you got categorization, and blah, 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 seven different ones. The reason why I split it in half is because when I'm taking my, when I'm practicing, when I'm going through my notes, what I would do is I'd cover this side up, and then I would have to memorize the seven steps. On this side, kind of has a prompt, like the keyword, right? On this side, I have the keyword, and then I would cover this side up to memorize the seven steps. And I would do that with each category. I would do that with uh, another one you got to learn is um, TCP IP stack, right? I would say something like uh, OSI model on one side. And then I would put seven, right? Because there's seven layers of the TC, the OS. I'm mixing those things up. The OSI model. I would, I would have to know there's an application layer of transportation layer and internet layer i'm see i'm mixing them all up <laughs> a data link layer a physical layer. you know what i'm talking about on one side i have all the answers and one side i just have a keyword without the know that keyword that's a key topic that i got from that domain from that from that paragraph and now i have to know the the tcp ip stack which is data link layer and then 
transportation layer and session layer or whatever it is, right? On this other side, I would cover this when I'm when I'm actually practicing. I'd cover one side up, and then I would I would mem I would see if I memorized the that other side. That's what I would do, and and it took me about I did that for a year. I, you don't you probably don't need a year, man. Like I'm I'm an exception to the world. I'm, I'm not a good test taker, so I study I overstudy to compensate for my my inabilities as a test taker and it ends up being that I'm a good test taker because I'm a I'm a good study I'm, I, I know how I know how my brain works I know I, my you know my memory is not great the greatest so I know how how to train myself and and that's just Josh that's what I would you know I you probably won't need because you already have a security plus you you already have the position you know you probably don't need I would say at least six months but I you probably don't need a year so I hope that I hope that helps. Now I'm just telling you what I did. It says uh, thank you so much. That was very helpful, and I taught note taking like that in in high school. Okay, yeah, I learned my by experience writing over and over again. Yeah, I yeah 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 me too. Yeah, I would just write, especially like real hard concepts for me. Like the cryptography section was such a hard. It's so dry. Like it was such. It was my. I hated that section, right? And then I, what? Another thing I would do, Josh, is I'd focus on the all the sections I hated the most. Like I hated cryptography. There's so much stuff you got to memorize, and I just don't know that stuff. I don't do that on a regular. But I mean, I did like I was like a, a comsec officer where you have to know a little bit of that stuff. But and then sometimes you 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 run into it with like uh, vulnerability management stuff. Like if there's a vulnerability where there's a crypto key that's out or something and you got to know the difference between a des triple des and like aes or something at the time i really didn't know any of that stuff so i just focused on that one a lot because i really didn't know it so any of the any of the domains that you really don't know that you have no experience on that are really hard for you focus on those the most that's what i did so hope that helps all right let me see keep going through these questions um lol cryptography and handshakes are the worst <laughs> oh handshakes man you're gonna need that one handshakes the um the tcp ip stuff is deep but you're gonna that stuff comes back man the stuff you cryptography is like eh, you know it's yeah you know that comes back every now and then but man let me tell you something tcp ip that stack the handshake the whole three-way handshake all that you the more you know that the better you'll be at uh, networking stuff. The be it goes into forensics. It goes. It ties into so many other things. So know that one. Definitely know that one. Uh, let me see. Um, Abby, hey, not knee at Abby. I never know how to pronounce your name, but this guy's always, always on my loss. <laughs> how you doing, man? He says, "Have you ever seen an ISO with a light workload?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my! <laughs> oh, I love this question. Have you ever seen an ISO with a light workload? Wait, where is this question? Uh, I have yet to see an ISO with a light workload. Man, that's a great see. That's what I love about these lives because there's so many ISOs who are talking to me, and I know exactly what they're talking about. And this is the only time I can talk about stuff like this. Man, that's a great comment. That's not even a question. That's a that's a statement. That's a that's a hilarious statement. <laughs> Have I ever so the question is this. 
Have I ever seen an ISO with a light workload? And the answer is very rarely, right? You, you, we go through phases of light and heavy workloads. Um, usually not, not light because, and the reason why is this, it's kind of a good and bad reason. Um, I'll, and I'll start with the bad. The reason why it's bad that you rarely see a, a, an ISO with a light workload is because it's, it's stressful, right? This is not it's not an easy job. It can be very stressful because you're working – a lot of times you're working with a lot of um, difficult customers often, right? It's the nature of the beast. It's, it can get very stressful where they'll attack you for something – Something they should be doing better or if something's late, they'll attack. I just got through with something like this myself in my current position doing cybersecurity consulting. It wasn't it wasn't fun. I was I was late on the delivery, man, and they ripped me apart. They ripped me apart. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right. I, I don't even when I go back to work next week, I, I don't know where this is going to go. But they were pissed. <laughs> You know, d never mind that I got them a certification. Never mind that. Forget all the good things I did. But uh, so that's the bad thing. It's very. It can be very stressful um, in cybersecurity in general. Um, the good thing is, even if I mess up, man, if they're firing me, man, I can find a job in in weeks, like days, if I want to. Right? If I'm pick, if I'm not picky, days, hours. Uh, you always have a position. There's not enough people to do this work. It's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, you're, you're always busy and it's stressful. But on the other hand, you always have a high-paying job. I don't have to worry about like any economy. Does They always need a cybersecurity guy. So, and I, you know, it's not like I'm the sharpest tool in the shed, you know. I'm, I mean, I know guys who are super smart. They can do anything. That's not me. I'm not a firewall guy. I'm not, I've done IPS stuff. I'd have to learn it again. I haven't done it in years. Seam, I did seams before, but man, I haven't done that in many years. Like, I'm just a compliance guy, and I'm busy as hell. I'm busy as hell. So, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I could learn that stuff pretty fast. I've, I've touched some of it, but I don't, you know. So, yeah, I to answer your question, no, I haven't really seen too many ISOs who have a light workload. You know, I was I was about just to give you an idea. Um, Combo Courses is doing really well, and I reached out to a couple of of cybersecurity professionals who are brilliant at what they do and they're like so excited to help me teach and they're supposed to be on combo courses they got new jobs and i never hear from them <laughs> it's like I, I know how busy and i know how busy they are so i'm not mad i'm like yeah i get it like i'm i'm just as busy i don't even know how i'm doing this right um i i have to burn the midnight oil just to do any kind of extracurricular activities Right. It's crazy. Right. Just and it's just because I'm I'm an aggressively hardworking person. But, you know, I'm getting up in age, man. I'm starting to like starting to want to kind of like. Stop working as hard as I used to. <laughs> Great question, Abby. Appreciate that. Wow. Um, Alex says, thanks for taking the time to answer, Bruce. I got thrown to the wolves on risk management framework as well so a lot of my knowledge is self-taught but thanks thanks again i love listening to you riff on on such niche, uh, niche topics thank you man appreciate it. I, I i enjoy the conversation i it's the only time i can talk about stuff like this because you know it's a it's a lonely it's lonely work right i mean if we we're if we we're talking about football or something everybody knows that you know but 
this stuff is nobody knows it or nobody wants to know it. <laughs> That's why they pay us the big bucks. Uh, let me see. QSA, yeah, 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 that's what it's called. Hey, Bruce, do you have any familiarity with FedRAMP? Yes, I, I've done a couple FedRAMP um, packages before, and uh, somebody reached out to me about doing FedRAMP work, um, and I'm I'm interested. I'll, look, I'll take a look at that. Excuse me. I'll take a look at some FedRAMP stuff. I've done it before. I know what to, I know what to, I've gotten a couple packages through the FedRAMP process. So yeah, I'm, I am familiar with FedRAMP. Um, Josh says, thank you very much. I think I already read that one. Okay. Josh says, thank you very much. That is very helpful. And I was taught to write in high school. Okay. Yeah, I did read that. Do you do freelance work? Um, from time to time, it's pretty rare these days. I'm, I'm so busy. Um, I do do freelance work. I actually, I actually like doing freelance. I would like to do a lot more of it, to be honest with you. Uh, but it would have to be, I'd have to quit my job to do it. I just, especially lately, I just don't, I just don't have enough time to do the stuff I like to do. I like to do more teaching, to be honest. I like to do, finish my SEA course. I like to finish my lab. I wanted to do this whole thing where I, where I do like a risk management framework lab where you actually do the work with me or we develop a security package and and i show you like what it's really like to be in meetings and stuff do these mock meetings and i want to do stuff like that as a couple other things i would like to bring on more instructors and expand combo courses to have other people teach things like qsa or things like cisa or uh, certifications i just don't have time to do that like i can barely do what i'm doing now this extra stuff like this is i've done it before to answer your question so uh, let me see. I'm looking for, I had some other questions. Unfortunately, my stuff crashed. So let me bring that up. Bear with me real quick while I bring up. That wasn't YouTube. It was, uh, I had a slide deck where somebody asked me some other questions. Drive. But yeah, feel free to ask me questions, guys. I'll uh, do my best to answer. I had another couple questions. I was ready to go. And where is it? Let's see here. Let me see. I'm looking. I'm just looking. If you guys are joining me late, <clears throat> I've just been answering questions, and uh, I did like a brief presentation. And now what I'm doing is answering additional questions before I shut this thing down. I, I did not think I was gonna be able to talk this long, and it's amazing. Let me see here. Yo, that's. I just opened up the same thing twice. Wow. I'm slipping. Let me see. Give me a moment, guys. I got. Hopefully, if this thing comes up, 
Okay, here here it is. It's okay, it's not much. Not many questions here. Not many questions. Let me show you guys what I'm seeing here. Um somebody asked, would you take a professional instructor recommendation if you're Would you take a professional instructor recommendation if you're looking? Um, yeah, we you know, we'll have to talk to the person to see if we if, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, which is to have an instructor help um, get on combo courses. Yeah, I, would, I mean, I would like to talk to him first. If that's I'm, I hope I understand you correctly. Uh, let me show you guys what I'm seeing here. Okay, I just had a couple questions uh, pulled from like a week ago. And here's the first one. This is the first time I'm reading this all the way through. Uh, first time I'm, gonna, I'm answering something like this. Sounds like something I could answer and something is in line with what we've been talking about. Oh, never mind. They own their own website. Yeah, that's that's fine. Actually, the, if they have their own website, that's great. Like if they have their own content, basically they would just put their content on my site too and they just make more money. So, um, Yeah. I mean that's that's what this is about. I've got like eight thousand people who follow me on YouTube. I got about four thousand people who who have signed up for my on my site. Like it's just gonna help them out, you know. If they if they were if they're interested, then I I would be interested in working with them. Okay, somebody said this is it's related to HIPAA. I think he said, "Hey Bruce, thanks for all you've done. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate the the." Thank you. Thank you for watching. And it says, I'm a support engineer for a data center and an infrastructure engineer for a SMB healthcare software company. I work both jobs because that's how I initially got to six-figure salary. Okay. That's cool. That's really hard to do. I've done that before. Not fun. I want to enter the risk management framework, security assessment, assessor, IT auditing, like what you are doing, but I'd like to focus on HIPAA as that would help with the healthcare software company. Okay. Uh, any ideas on training to become proficient with HIPAA framework? Also, would you would, uh, would purchase your risk management framework help with only one type of risk management, uh, one type of framework, NIST. Or do you cover PCI DSS as well? I want to make a purchase. I just don't know which to start with uh, since there are very few risk management on risk management framework. Okay, so they have a couple questions here uh, that they want me to answer. And uh, wow, I had all this stuff prepared. <laughs> I mean, it freaking shut down on me. Um, I found a couple of training sites actually for this, and uh, it, it shut down. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look for it again. I uh, found some really good suggested training. One is with ISC two. So the question is, one one of the questions was that they they wanted some formal training with HIPAA to help with the healthcare industry that they work with currently. And what came to mind was that ISC2 
which is an organization that created the CISSP and the CAP and the and some other certifications. They have something for HIPAA, and their stuff is pretty good. So, uh, it, it's not training. I don't think they might be associated with training, but let me show you what I mean here. So this is the certification right here. Let me show you show you what I'm talking about here. Here is the certification. It's the HCISPP, and it is a certification for HIPAA and the healthcare industry. So become a HCISPP, Healthcare Information Security Privacy Practitioner. Um, it goes on to describe what it's all about. Not necessarily training, but the great thing about some of these certifications is that it's a great common body of knowledge because it's going to in order to prepare for the certification, you have to know this stuff. So it'll you'll have to find out this information. So this is a great way to to dive into to to sharpen your skills uh, on that. Right. So you have to study first, of course. It'll it'll have like something about the common body of knowledge, and then you'll go back and and of course research that stuff on your own. But let me show you. I had another site that was really pretty good resource that I found. Um, let me see if I can find it again. It had some decent training. It was on a government site, and I want to find that again. So just bear with me. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I can't necessarily recommend somebody else's training because I just don't know enough. But this government site that I'll show you had training material that's free that if you're interested in learning more about HIPAA, I would I would go here uh, on the HHS Gov site. And that's the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And this site right here has some free training so I would I would recommend the training materials here and if you go to some of these links here it has a further breakdown of some of the some of the privacy some of the security some of the risk assessment tools and some of the stuff that you that would might help you to go deeper on HIPAA so so I hope that helps um it's uh a ton of stuff out there on HIPAA training that you could check out but I I really don't like I said I really don't know a lot about that stuff. Uh, I I can't endorse it cuz I've never I've never personally never taken it. You know, I don't I don't know what they're teaching or anything. But yeah, there there you go. And then your your other question, let me see if I can find your other question here. They said uh um, want to enter the risk manager framework is so. Oh, the other question was: Does my course, my risk management framework course, does it cover uh, PCI DSS? No, it does not. It it focuses entirely on the NIST 853. Oh, sorry, NIST 837, and one focuses on. If you need, didn't know what I'm talking about, what they're asking me about is my course. If you guys didn't know, if you happen to jump on this. Later in life, 
I have a course called ComboCourses.com where my focus is security compliance. I may expand it at, one, at some point in the future, but my specialty is security compliance. So I just talk about NIST 853. Um, at some point, I may talk about other things. I do talk about how to get into uh, cybersecurity work and how to find remote work. and th- I've got a couple other courses of stuff that I have done to always be employed remotely. Uh, to to make to get to six six figures, the stuff like that. Like I have courses like that that can help you out. But my main focus is on the NIST 853, which nobody talks about to this day for some reason. There's not a lot of courses on it. It does not talk about PCI compliance. Um, but it is a pretty good course if you're trying to learn a risk management framework. I think it's the best course out there. Um, haven't been haven't been doing this for a long time because I'm telling you exactly like what to do and how to cover your CYA and like actual stuff you need to know in the field and in, and I'm interpreting the stuff that's the actual source material from the NIST government sites and and that's it guys um I, this is I've been going for two hours apparently so I'm gonna go ahead and um, and cut this one short. Um, I appreciate everybody who's been watching. Thank you for your great questions. I really appreciate the insight. So some of you guys are ISOs. And so I really love when ISOs jump on here and give their two cents because I love to learn myself. And uh, it's great to have a community where we can talk about our craft and talk about our profession and just learn from one another. That's what this whole thing, Combo Courses, is all about. Um, And that's it for this week, guys. I'm going to try. Always try to do a little bit more, but like I said, I'm slammed. I'm busy as heck, so it's sometimes it's hard for me to actually do this. 